I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Ecclesiastes chapter number 1. Ecclesiastes chapter number 1. Now the last broadcast we were looking at the introduction to the book of Ecclesiastes. And we were looking at some key uh, thoughts and key words in it, including the word vanity and the word vexation. When we get to chapter 1 and start into the verses, we will find right away in verse 2, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Empty, vain, worthless, ceaseless, praiseless. Now we'll look and we'll see that he will get down further into the passage and he'll be saying the word vanity quite a bit, but then he will add to it, this was vexation of spirit. And so he is making a claim that everything is just horrible. And if you weren't careful, you would get the idea that the whole book of Ecclesiastes is all about how terrible life is. But that's only half the truth. It's how terrible life is. There's another phrase. It's in verse number three, under the sun. And it happens quite a bit. The things that we put stock in apart from God, trying to live completely and totally apart from God, from our Savior, from the Bible, from the Spirit of God's conviction. When we try to live away from that, every single thing is vanity. Now, in verse number one, he gives us a quick intro into the book and then dives into his subject in verse two. Verse one gives us the preacher, the words, of the preacher. We see that that was none other than Solomon. We see here that he is going to be giving us some in-depth uh, thoughts of his life. We see the parent, which is David, and we see that he's the son of David. Of course, uh, we know when we read the end of the book of Second Samuel uh, and we come into the first Kings, that we're looking at the uh, kingship transferring over to Solomon. Solomon became the last king of the United Kingdom. We had King Saul. We call him King No Heart. Just no heart for God uh, outside of the very, 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 very beginning in a short span. But once he became king, as king, he had no heart for God. We have King David, King Whole Heart. And then we have Solomon, King Half Heart. And Half Hearted is horrible. Half Hearted is is enough to make you just wince and cry and and have all kinds of problems. But uh, he was the, the words of the preacher, the son of David, 
And it says here, he was king in Jerusalem. So we see the position. He is the king. That's important to remember, and we'll deal with that as we go further into these verses. In verses 2 through 11, we're going to address the subject of vanity. In verses 12 through the end of the chapter on the next broadcast, we're going to delve into the subject of vexation, both of which Solomon said life gave him as he tried to understand it apart from God under the sun. When we get to verse number 2, he says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities. He repeats it. There's an emphasis here of what he's saying. And then he sums it up. All, everything, all is vanity. In verse 2, here's what he's saying. The purposelessness of life without God. In verse 3, he's going to talk about the profitlessness of labor without God. And as he continues to go through the first set of verses here, verse 10 to verse 11, he's going to say the passing of life is meaningless and vanity without God. The perpetuity of life without God and the paradox of life and labor without God. We're going to see all of these things that he looked at and saw that it's utterly, utterly vanity. When he talks about in verse number two, vanity, the purposeless of life without God, there's no purpose, there's no meaning. All things are meaningless. All things are empty. All things fail to satisfy. All things are futile. This was the result of his research into what he could see. As king, he would be able to see all of this. He's can, he can see people's lives, not only in the kingdom, but in all other realms because many people uh, came to Solomon. The queen of Sheba came and saw him. He had a lot of people from different lands that helped him with laborers and also materials. And so he was sitting there and he, he said, this is a result of my research looking into people, but it was also the result of his life. He's now looking back on his life. He's going backwards in time because he's much, much older now. And he is not saying that everything is futile and vain, but that under the sun, without God, without any of, of, of our Savior in it, it's all vanity and vexation. It's empty. It's profitlessness. It means nothing. Verse 3 sums that up. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? What profit? What gain is there? This word has to do with the gain. You know, you have a profit and loss statement. You're saying, we spent, we took in this much money, we spent this much money, and the difference is our profit. This is what we have left over. He said, what profit is there with all the man's labor that he takes without God? All our labor, the word means trouble of toiling, the labor of the misery of life under the sun. In other words, laboring, working, toiling is troublesome and misery under the sun. The Hebrew word is paints a very bleak picture of miserable, toilsome, troublesome labor. All, every single bit of energy, every single bit of labor and work which a man 
taketh. The word taketh means which he toils and labors in life to the point of exhaustion to do. What profit is there? What gain is there? What excels that? Profit is the idea of something left over after expending toil and labor, and Solomon found none. He, he said, I, I looked at every single thing that I did. I look at what other people are doing, and it's profitlessness. It's on, under the sun, on this earth without God, it deals with nothing but profitlessness. But he, listen, if he had just got his life on the eternal things, but he didn't. Solomon missed the mark. He didn't put his thoughts and his process on eternal things, whereby he could say like the apostle Paul could say, all of these things of the flesh that I could have confidence in that Solomon found were worthless and meaningless. He said, I counted them, but dung that I made no Christ. I wanted to know him in the power of his resurrection. I wanted to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Vanity of vanities, empty, empty, worthless, worthless, meaningless, meaningless, saith the preacher, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun as he works and he toils? And then he says, I've, I've been looking around and this is what I found. One generation passes away and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. He's going to look at some things and compare it to God's cycle of the earth. And he says, the passing of life without God is meaningless. Life looked through the cemetery, friend, is vanity. Paul wrote when defending the resurrection that if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain and ye are yet in your sins. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is vain also. He even said in that chapter 15, If in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. If this is it, when seen through the eternal, the meaning of life completely changes. When seen through the cemetery of the physical, life completely changes for a different reason and a different direction. My friend, that's why it's so imperative that we get the gospel of Jesus Christ out so that we can impart the need of salvation and that sin is a stench in the nostrils of a holy God and that God so loved the world that he was willing to give his only begotten son as the sacrifice to take care of our sins because we are sinners and couldn't fix it. We needed somebody else to fix it. And you have got to understand that it is sin that caused the problem and the sin had to be dealt with. And so God loved the world so much. And it's not the, the love that he had for you as much as it is the love he had for his son, that he could be willing to allow his son to die for us. We must remind ourselves constantly that we need to get people to understand life is meaningless under the sun, without God. With God, it all changes. It makes sense. And when it comes time to go via the cemetery, the, the address goes down. But the rest, who you are, who you've always been, the very essence, the soul and spirit of you is taken up into heaven because of eternal life. 
and the passing of life. One generation passes away, another generation cometh, another one, and then they're going to pass away, and it just cycles, but the earth abideth forever. He said that earth, every time a new generation is born, they're on the same earth. The earth stays. God created it, and he made it to sustain us until he takes us home and fixes it a brand new without the curse on it. We see that the passing of life without God is meaningless. Then we get to verse number 5 through 7, and we see that the perpetuity of life without God is also meaningless. The word perpetuity simply means on forever and forever, that which keeps on going. So we see the perpetuity of life without God. And Solomon says, here's the thing, the sun also rises, verse 5, and the sun goeth down and hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth towards the south and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to its circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. You know what he's saying? He's saying people don't last, verse 4. But God's creation keeps on cycling just like he did. The sun example. The sun comes up and the sun goes down. It cycles. It continues up and down every day. We've experienced it all the days that we have lived. Maybe hidden by the clouds, but the sun came up. The sun goes down. It says here, the sun continues, but people die. The wind currents continue. People don't. The winds take their circuits. The south wind brings the warm. The north wind brings the cold. The waters continue to flow as God told them to. People do not flow in cemetery view, but they do in the view of the eternal. See, in your eye, Solomon has his eyes under the sun. Remind ourselves constantly that his futile look on life, his meaningless look on life is because he's living it under the sun. Many times Christians get discouraged, weary and well-doing, or they forget to enjoy their Christianity and they become a little soured and they start looking at life from a viewpoint of man to man instead of through the eyes of heaven which changes the whole perspective through an eternal view it all changes through an earthly view it all changes for the worse and we must keep our eyes on Jesus and our soul goal set for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus Solomon is clearly showing the creation of God and the continuous cycle of God's creation, yet he fails to see the God of the creation. He sees the creation of God and misses the God of the creation. The one that he said in the very beginning in his younger days, in his wholehearted days, I'm young. I can't take care of these people. I need help. I need wisdom. And God said, you didn't ask for long life. You didn't ask for riches. You just asked for something that was very necessary for you. I'll give you godly wisdom. And because you didn't ask for longer life, I'll give it to you. Because you didn't ask for riches, I'll give it to you. But then he let those things get a hold of him. And he began to have an earthly view. And by the time he comes to the end of his life, he sees everything totally under the sun 
through the lens of the meaningless life apart from God. Now, my friend, what that does is that takes your eyes off of the most important thing to keep your eyes on. Who can lift you up? Who can set you up? Who can cause you to see clearly? Who can cause you to understand clearly? Only God can do that. You know, the psalmist in some of the psalms would say, it looks like wicked people prosper, and it rains on the just and the unjust. And you can get an unfair uh, assessment. But can we go back and step back and, and take a look at this from a different viewpoint? Let's look at it through heaven's eyes. This person who will not live his life for Christ, who will not get saved, who is going to stay lost and live life under the sun and try to figure out what life holds when they die, what they believe may be challenged many times. Many folks say, oh, I'm going to heaven. I know it. Because they've heard about heaven and they're all going. But in their own heart of hearts, they may like, I have no concept what heaven is. I don't know if I'm going. I just think I'm going to cease to exist. That's it. Whatever their thought process is, it leaves them certainly saying, what in the world is life all about when it's done and I have nothing left? But you and I look at it from the viewpoint of this world is not my home. I'm passing through. I'm making a mark on it for the gospel of Christ. And if we will remember that the worst days that we have will be on this earth, even our best days here will seem like nothing compared to the glory of the days of eternity. But these people have eternity in a place called hell. They may have it good here, but this is it. They have nothing else. And when this life is over, and they think they'll have a cessation and they're just going to be done and nothing happens. They don't understand death means separation, not cessation of life. Death means that there is a separation from God and them forever because they did not trust Christ as Savior. They live in a burning hell of judgment forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. And if we'll remind ourselves of that, we'll realize this is the best they will get it. Remember the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell, crying out for Father Abraham to send Lazarus that he could bring his uh, finger and dip it in some water and cool his tongue. And, you know, he said, look, that's not going to happen. We have a golf fix. You're not coming over here. We're not going over there. He said, you know what? You had your good things in life, and he didn't. Now he's got his good things in life, and you don't. The only difference is... On the other side, when he didn't have anything, it was temporal. And when you had a lot, it was temporal. Now you have nothing, and it's eternal. And he has everything, and it's eternal. Did you get that? Don't forget that. Everything on this life is temporal. When the rapture comes, or you leave this address, when you are separated in death from your physical address of the body and your soul and spirit goes to heaven, everything that is here leaves. I'm sitting in my study where I'm looking at walls of books. I'm looking at a computer where I have thousands of, of books on the computer. And I have uh, on the left screen, I have the place where I'm recording. I can see that I'm recording this broadcast. And here are the things that I have. But if I was to leave this address 
and I would go to heaven. All of this gets left behind. This is temporal, but what I go to is eternal. We must remind ourselves over and over and over again when we see wicked people prospering, it don't get any better. This is as good as they're going to get it. When they step out of that address, life changes forever, and they cannot fix it because they had to deal with their sin in this life. And that leads Solomon to verses 8 through 11, where he says the paradox of life and labor are worthless without God. Look at what he says here. Verse 8, all things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new? It hath been already of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. Boy, he's looking at the paradox of life. I'm living life and I'm laboring and, I'm, and, and all I see is this. He, verse 8 says, I see no satisfaction. One of the rock songs of the 60s, I can't get no satisfaction. That's because you're not saved. All things are full of labor. You work and you work and you work and you work and man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied it sees but it's never satisfied with the seeing it never sees enough it never gets enough the ear is filled the neither is the ear ever filled with hearing it doesn't happen there's nothing new it's all old the thing that has been is that which shall be that which is done is that which shall be done there is no new thing under the sun there's nothing to look forward to. There's nothing to remember. He said, listen, it, there's nothing that maybe I said it new to me, but it, somebody else already said it a long time ago. It's, it's not new. Somewhere or someplace, someone's done this, said this, been there, done that. He said, he's looking at life, and he just says, it's word, I, I'm looking all around me. I got my eyes off God, and everything just stinks. I'm not satisfied. He said, is there Anything wherever it may be said, see, this is new. It has already been of old time, which was before us. And then he says this, there is no remembrance of former things. All those former things that happened, the things before, there's no remembrance. He said, what good is it? You work and you work and you work and nobody even remembers what you did. Because he's, he's not looking at it through the eyes of the eternal. In fact, in Hebrews, it talks about God is not going to forget our labor of love, which we have bestowed upon uh, him for and for him. He's not going to forget our labor of love. But down here, people forget. They don't remember. Well, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're doing it for people. Don't do it for people. Do it because you love the Lord. Do it because you want to be a blessing and praise to him. Then he says, There's, I'm looking under the sun and without God and without Christ, earthly things just don't satisfy. Earthly things are empty. They're unfulfilled, and they make you restless. Now, think about this. The wisest man that ever lived missed the meaning of life in Christ. All the words of wisdom, all the pithy sayings, the proverbs, the things that that man had in his early years that he could have gleaned from if he would have stuck with God. But he went from that to worldly wise wisdom 
which is not man, uh, God's wisdom. It's man's wisdom, and it's not that wise. In the eyes of God, it's not wise at all. And he lost the very meaning. He got his eyes off Christ and lost the very meaning of life. He started well. He didn't run well. And he didn't end all that well, except at the very end of Ecclesiastes when he will give the sum of the whole matter. He'll conclude uh, 12 whole chapters in two verses. And he'll make it very crystal clear. Fear God and keep his commandments. He said, without God, without Christ, under the sun, nothing satisfies. It's empty, and it's unfulfilling, and it leaves you restless. Have you looked around the world today? People are not satisfied. In fact, we invent more inventions constantly that we can buy, that can break, that we can throw away to go buy more things. We are constantly looking for something to make life simpler, faster, better, quicker, whatever it is, the newer, the better, the richer, and it just seems like we cannot get anything that satisfies us. And if we get something, we'll use it for a while and then not use it anymore. Or we'll get it and it'll break and then we're angry and upset. Or we got a payment on it and then we get tired of making the payment and we're unfulfilled and empty. And then you run around restless, constantly restless, constantly irritated. Don't be like the wisest man that ever lived and missed the meaning of life in Christ. Don't miss the mark. If you don't know Christ as Savior, come to know him as Savior today. Recognize that you are a sinner. If the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, you need to deal with that because the only remedy for sin has been taken care of in the cross of Christ God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son at Calvary to die for your sin and to take that sin debt so he would have the ability to forgive that sin and place his righteousness in you so that you could be fit for heaven. If you're a Christian, run well. Start well, run well, and if you've kind of slipped off the trail, get back up, get back on, pick up the baton, and get racing again so that you can end well. And like the Apostle Paul say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. The one thing that I want to do is finish well. I certainly don't want to finish bad. And I certainly want it to be said of me that I kept the faith. I mean, there have been times we may have struggled here or there. But I want it to be said, I kept the faith. I want to fight the good fight, not the bad fight. A lot of people fighting the bad fight. The good fight. And I want to be able to, be, to do what I do to please my Lord. For without faith, it's impossible to please Him. My friend, life is worth it when it's sent through God's eyes and eternal views. But it's absolutely worthless and meaningless and empty without our God under the sun. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray that you would help us to see clearly through your eyes everything we do and never, never, never give in, give up, or give over unto the things of this earth, but to keep our eyes constantly, totally, and always on Jesus Christ, in whose blessed name we pray, amen and amen. This is Pastor Walton praying you have an absolutely wonderful, awesome week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true. Oh, I believe every word that he said.
believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every word. You have been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.